God is good. All the time. All the time. God is good. Amen. Children, you're dismissed to Children's Church. If you have your Bibles, we're in Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22, be reading from verse 34 to 40. Now, I'm going to set this up a little bit. Jesus now, did you know, by by the way, just a little tidbit of information. uh, Do you know what books has the most red letters in them? There's two books that have the most. Anybody know? The Bible. (laughs) For you watching, she said the Bible. Which is a correct answer, but let me take that broad brush and bring it down to a little artesian brush, just a little bit. Okay, in the Bible, which two books, and by the way, just so, just since you brought that up, it's, it, this is another good little tidbit. Everybody thinks that the Bible is a book. The Bible is not a book. It's composed of 66 books, okay? It's actually a library right here, okay? So... Of what two books of the 66 books are the most red letters in located? We're reading out of one of them today. Matthew and what? Luke. Luke is the second one. And uh, so I thought that was just a little trivia. When you have a little time to study, you get to, <laughs> you get to know a few little, little trivia things. Matthew chapter uh, 22, verse 34. Now this is... To set this up, this is Jesus. He's just got through teaching a lot of parables. Uh, This is before he goes to the cross. And the Sadducees and the Pharisees both are trying to set Jesus up and trap him to discredit him. Okay? (laughs) Does that ring true to anything we have in society today? Okay, yeah. It seems like everybody's trapped. To put it in a, the Sadducees and Pharisees are the two-party system that makes up the Sanhedrin, which is the religious ruling court of the Jewish people. And the Sadducees have just got through calling Jesus on the carpet saying, okay, you know, answer these questions. Uh, One of them was, you know, if, if my brother dies and and his wife is a widow, and the other brother takes him on as a wife, so she would have heirs. And the other brother dies, and he takes on. In other words, she has three or four husbands. When she goes to heaven, whose husband will she have? And Jesus basically says, you don't understand heaven. You have no comprehension. There will be no giving of marriage or taking of marriage. It's in a completely different realm of relationship. And basically... Uh, the Pharisees now is coming up and trying to trap him with different scenarios as well. So we're kind of right in between the Sadducees and the Pharisees kind of entrapment uh, where he's dealing and they're having dialogue with Jesus. And I note this as an interesting transaction because this is a key revelation to all people of faith. And he says two things, or has unpacks two different statements that completely changes the world. 34. Hearing, Jesus, hearing that Jesus has silenced, everybody say silence, had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together, and one of them, an expert in the law, tested him with his question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, now listen, 
This is important. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourselves. Now this verse 40, it pretty well sums these two up. And he says, all the law. Say all the law. All the law. And the prophets, who are the prophets? The people are the men who represent God on earth, okay? All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word. We pray this morning that it will open our hearts and our minds to receive your truth. We pray this now in Jesus' name. And everyone said. At the beginning of the year, we were kicking off a series calling the 21 Days of Silence. I don't know about you, but I participated in that. <laughs> I, I had a lot of days of, of silence uh, in this. And I hope you did along the way as well. Uh, silence is a powerful thing when embraced. It's also a scary thing when we are confused. Silence is a part of us that allows other things to intersect in a crisis point of where we are. Understand, it takes crisis and intersection of two things to create a crisis for us to create and make decisions. And decisions hinge just about everything that we do. Because every decision is hinged on a crisis. Are you following me? Okay. So, that in mind, silence is a great aid for us to be able to be hinged in the proper way to make decisions that would not just be self or, or, or temporarily fulfilling, but would be eternal in consequence and significant in, in our growth and the ones around us as well. So, silence is a big thing. And, and I found that God gets our attention through silence, and usually he does it in one or two ways, and maybe three. The first way is where he implores us and he says, steal away and know that I'm God. Take time, consecrate yourselves, and be with me through prayer and consecration. Quiet time. We call it quiet time. That's kind of a new buzzword in the Christian community. Have you had your quiet time lately? You know, quiet time. Well, yeah, that's, that's great. That's a good cliche word and whatever, but it's actually, are you, are you just being quiet and listening to God? Okay. Jesus himself example that when he said that he stole away from the crowds and he went up to the mountain, to the high place, and he would go there to what? To replenish his spirit, to commune with the Father, and to refuel, and to regenerate. Silence is, is, is sometimes in one of three ways. Uh, silence is issued to us by choice. We either choose, like the 21 days of silence, we had this campaign to encourage people to steal away and have some quiet time with God and, and maybe just pray and, and ask God to reveal some things in, in your life. The second part is sometimes God silences us. And that's really what I want to talk about this morning is when's the last time God 
has silenced you. And the scripture, right between the Sadducees and the Pharisees' temptation or testing of Jesus, verse 34, it says this, Hearing that Jesus had silenced, everybody say silenced, had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together and say, okay, now how can we deal with God? So the question is, when's the last time God has silenced you? Now, how did God silence the Sadducees? God silenced the Sadducees by giving them a truth that was beyond the present, an eternal truth besides the present reality. Many times in our life, we're dealing with the present reality instead of the eternal truths that set us free. We're so contemplated about what's happening around us that we forget the bigger picture about what God is doing through us and how it's impacting other people as well as our own life. And so we lose the principle of following God because we're too caught up with the present of negotiating the obstacle or the, that we forget the values that God wants us to live by. So how does that manifest? How, do, how does that play out? Well, uh, we get caught in temptation. For me, uh, this is a very silly, uh, uh, trivial illustration, but for me, I have found that uh, when I'm silenced and I'm alone, okay, or, and this past uh, two weeks that I have been uh, in quarantine and stuff, I haven't eaten near as much food. And I've found that when I'm around people, you make me gluttonous. Mm -hmm. It is Martha's fault. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm serious. It's, it, that, I'm, I'm, I know it's a, si a silly, trivial illustration. But the fact of the matter is, when I'm alone, when I'm by myself, and when I'm not stimulated with excitement or with the things or the, the obstacles or the challenge that we're trying to overcome at the time, and when I, I am somber in my thought, when I'm contemplative about eternal and the core values of how I live in my life, that I'm satisfied much easier, I push from the table much quicker, and I feel much better. Hello? But when I get around people that I love, I get around family, and we start talking, and we start going over issues and, and, and stuff, and it's not like we've had any excitement in our political life here lately. You know, any stress or tendencies along that line. And nobody's fussing about that. You know, everybody's calm in peace and, and, and things like that. It, it seems like the present stress of the here and now overrides the core value of the eternal, which God says is joy and peace because he's in control. Because as we sang earlier, he's a good, good father. And he has us in the palm of his hands. Amen. Is that making sense? You understand what I'm saying? Sometimes we get so caught up, and what that does is it allows us, it allows the pink noise or this white noise of the world to come into our life, invade us, and rob us of that. And then we start doing things to kind of get that down. And for me, eating is one of them because it's a comfort thing. Some of you are spending money going shopping. You got to go shopping because you're stressed about something. Some is gossiping. You've got to pick up the phone and tell somebody about something you heard about something else when you know more than likely it's not even true. 
Some of it's, it, it's, it's, it's about going and, 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 and doing other things that are, are, may not be helpful in our lives. Yesterday, I had the privilege of, uh, I was out on the farm doing some chores. And, and believe me, when I say chores, it's like sweeping up a two by two and sitting down in a chair and taking a break. And, and then getting a dustpan and then sweeping it up and sitting down and taking a break. And then taking the dustpan and put it and dump it in the trash can and sat down and taking a break. And after a, one of these extraneous exercises, I went outside and sat on a bucket of a front end loader and drinking some water, enjoying the day. And it was a beautiful day yesterday, by the way. Is anybody outside? Beautiful day. And I was sat on the front of the bucket of that uh, tractor, or that, it was not hooked to the tractor, just bucket and drinking my water. There was this young man that comes walking up and he says, hey man, have you got a minute you could talk to me? I said, yeah, I got nothing pressing. <laughs> Come on. This young man was homeless. Been homeless for about a year and a half, 18 months. He took two and a half hours explaining to me about where he was, what's happened. And he says this, it was interesting to me. He said, you see, what happened to me, and by the way, he didn't know I was a preacher. I was just sitting there listening, and I didn't tell him I was a preacher, because right then he didn't need a preacher. What he needed was an ear. And he needed somebody to speak some words of wisdom to him at the end that might give him some hope. And the words of wisdom was about Jesus. This is what he said. He said, my life has been ups and downs. And he said, what I found is, is that I got caught up in the wrong crowd doing the wrong things because I was trying to escape the present. And then I got hooked on substances that started making decisions for me. And then I got caught in the wrong place at the wrong time. And I had to go to prison. And I spent three years in prison. I got out. And I did everything legit for six years. Had a good job. But I had a wife that was doing some stuff and she was back in that old lifestyle. And one day I just got caught up with the stresses of life and I fell off the wagon. Lost everything. And what I've realized is that God needed to humble me because I was a very prideful guy. Even in my sin, I was proud. You couldn't tell me anything. I had all the answers. I could do anything. I was bulletproof. But he said, I found out I wasn't. And I found out that God loved me, but I didn't understand why there was rich people and there was poor people and I didn't understand why this and that and different things and why I didn't have a second chance. And we went on to explain, explain a, a couple of other things. Bottom line was this for me. After I pointed out a couple of things to realize that he has had second 
third, fourth chances. At the end, after just listening, that's all I did was listen. Ask a question, and he would, and I'd listen. At the end of the day, it boiled down to, and he accepted was number one, that he was too proud to hear God. And now he's the most humble person there ever was because he said, I have no pride left. Number two, that he has squandered opportunity because of decisions that he's made. Because of the noise in his life of the presence was so much louder than the hope of the future that God had and the values that he should live by. And I said, you speak a great truth because I believe that's true. I said, and I'm going to pray for you. And I said, here's my prayer. My prayer is not for you to have a roof over your head and food for you to eat. My prayer for you is that you will make better decisions with the opportunity that God affords you. And the only way that you can make better decisions is by hearing the voice of God. And if the world's noises come in and crowd out so much of, the, of God that you cannot hear Him, then you're left to either substance decisions or at best human reasoning decision. And both are not worth a squat. Are you listening to me? Silence, silence is a great thing and it should be chosen by us to hear God. And then when we hear God, often God silences us. And that's what I'm desiring. I'm desiring for God to silence me. And what that means is, is when I get a revelation, when I see a truth, when I underpack something that is completely profound, something I know that cannot come from my own intellect or my own understanding, not through a book, not through a scripture, not through, but a divine revelation. And sometimes it does come through a book and sometimes it does come through scripture, but it's Holy Spirit authored and it quicks inside my soul then he silences me and I'm able to hear the truth that sets me free the scripture says truth sets you free right so when's the last time God has silenced you that you could hear truth and be able to apply it into your life the third silence comes just like it did with this homeless guy is when you've in you've run to the end of the road that pride takes you and by the way pride will take you down a long road did you know that the pride of life scripture talks about that the pride of life you know how well we look how well we dress how well we live all kinds of different things this is the pride of life and if the pride of life drives us and then our opinions drive us about we're exclusive to truth or we're exclusive to what we think that is right and we're not open to hear, God will carry us and let us go down that road. But there will be, as Scripture says, a rude awakening when you get to the end of the road. And there will be a reckoning day. A day that humility intersects pride. And when that happens, it's usually not a pretty sight. 
It's pretty devastating until you get through it and understand that humility will always win. Humility works a good work into our lives, into our heart. God says he can't use prideful men. He can't use prideful people. And I'm afraid this world, I'm afraid this country is breeding prideful people left and right. And we must be careful about that. There's a theological teaching out here that, uh, uh, that takes place from time to time in, in, in constructive areas. You know, there's different uh, views. There's Calvinism. There's Armenianism. There's all kinds of different isms out there. And these are just basics of theological teaching that they teach you when you go to seminary or go to to Bible college and classes and things of this nature. And Calvinism talks about irresistible grace. That's something that we don't really embrace in the Wesleyan tradition, but I'm just using it as an illustration. Uh, he's talking about irresistible trace, grace and the fact that we can't, we can't resist the grace of God, which we do believe you can as Wesleyan people because we believe in volition of free will. But the thing about it is, uh, if you can't, even, even Calvin, when he was coming up with this theological principle, he said, grace is irresistible. You cannot refuse it. But this is something that we must not preach too loud. Because then it excuses people to go off in their sin and indulge themselves. That's a pretty good indication. That's probably a bad teaching <laughs> in itself. But we in America are people of free people. But it takes a free people, for to be a free people, it takes a disciplined people. It takes a people that is willing to understand what the core value of their society is and their DNA. There, there is a movement out here, it's called the woke movement. Anybody familiar with the woke movement? It, it's, it's about, uh, it's, it's supposed to come against um, the uh, the. I've got COVID brain, so help me process this. But it, it, it is supposed to be a movement that is uh, sensitive to racial injustice and things that are discriminatory in, in, our, in, in the world. Uh, the problem is, is, again, that has gone to an extreme, and it's built on being angry about everything. And, and it's led to cancel culture where we canceled everything, we throw out the baby with the bathwater, uh, so to speak. There was an article that I read this week that talked about this lady that was part of the feminist movement and was part of the woke community, and she woke up one day and said, this is absolutely senseless. And the reason that she came to this conclusion was in the fact that she lists as a book of an article, I mean, it was long, but she goes on to explain detailed details. She now has a PhD. She had a master's at that point. She was working on a PhD. And when she left her in a master's program, she was very involved in the woke movement. And she went through the PhD program. And when she went through the PhD program, she was ostracized from that group a little bit because she was working on this intensely. And then it dawned on her when she went back. It dawned on her that this whole movement is completely about anger. And the whole time, everybody is angry about everything. You can't do anything. Everybody's mad about it. 
And she said she realized that that posture or mentality tainted everything that she did. And she was angry with her relationships. She was angry with her parents. She was angry with her work. She was angry with her, her, her not her work administration, but her work as well. Everything that she had, she was angry with. Everything she did, she was angry about. So the question is, is that a principle that God ordains? Is that a posture in which we desire to live? She said, no. She said, I had to run from that because I found no substantive fruit in my life from it. God says that we're supposed to be a people of love. Now, if you don't know what love is, I'm going to have to ask Dan to preach another three weeks. <laughs> but God answers this in contrast very plainly in this passage that we read this morning. I'm going to read it again. What are the commands? What is the greatest command? Or what is the greatest law? And Jesus answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law, all the prophets, everything hinges on these two. It has nothing to do with anger. Even though we're a people that suffers with anger issues. We need to be silent. And God needs to silence us. And we need to come to a reckoning point and understand humbleness, humility. Because God did not give us a spirit of fear and he didn't give us a spirit of anger. He gave us a spirit of peace because he was called the Prince of Peace. And that is what defines us. We are a people to love God and love our neighbors. Amen. Now, I'm quickly, I'm going to address this because I need to chase it. I need to kill this rabbit before it gets too far. Okay. Does that mean that it's wrong to get angry? Well, y'all know this sermon. I'm just going to sit down and shut up. <laughs> No! Scripture says, be slow to anger. But when you get angry, what are you not supposed to do? Sin not. How do you do that? You do that out of the silence that you were before you got there. Are y'all listening to me at all? You need to hear this. Because what happens is sin comes in enters the picture because we weren't silent. And we didn't let God silence us beforehand. And we didn't let humility rule us. And then when anger does come, we sin because we're not prepared to handle what comes our way. And then we get so caught up with the present, current situation 
we forget the overarching law that God has commanded us to do. And we abandon our core values as people of faith. God is calling us to repentance. God is calling us to forgive. God is calling us to reach out and love our neighbor. God is calling us to respect each other. God is calling us to diligently reach out and care. God is calling us to humble ourselves before Him and walk in His peace, in His strength or joy, and His love. And if we can scratch and sniff that, we'll see so much more fruit in our lives, it's ridiculous. But if we can actually reach and grab that, it unlocks so many things in our lives that God can work in us and through us for. I don't know where you are, but I'm like most people, I have an opinion about a lot of things. And you know what they say about opinions, don't you? Everybody's got a couple, and they're kind of like armpits. Everybody's got a couple, and sometimes they stink. We all have our opinions. That's fine. Nothing wrong with that. But let's not submit our opinions as authority. Let's just understand their opinions. Let's understand sometimes we don't know everything there is to know. And there's some things that if we did know might change our opinion. Until we're exposed to that opinion, maybe we need to be silent. (laughs) Aren't you glad I'm back? still and know that he is God in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit Amen Thanks for watching we would love for you to connect with us online on our website you will find up to date information about everything happening around here look for us on Facebook Instagram and YouTube and please download our free app on your smartphone or tablet We are so glad you're here today. We hope you feel at home and we hope you enjoy your friendship experience.